Let's take our Bibles tonight, turn to the book of Ephesians, if you would. Ephesians chapter number 4. And in this this particular section of the book of Ephesians, in this chapter, we find kind of a, a recipe, if you will, for overcoming sin. And... There are several specific sins that are mentioned here, but the overall principle is is consistent throughout uh, this passage. We're going to read verses 22 through 32, the last uh, verses of the chapter. And so when you're in uh, Ephesians 4, if you wouldn't mind standing for the reading of the scripture, I'd invite you to do that tonight. Verse 22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, and this is the first example, putting away lying Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, here's another example, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Here's the next example, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's the next example. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I want to look back there at verse number 31. And notice that it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice. And I want to preach to you tonight a simple but direct and I believe important message on the subject of overcoming bitterness in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, tonight we love you. And we read just a moment ago that we are not to grieve your Holy Spirit. Father, I I want to see you glorified in your house and believe that if that's the case, we need to be careful not to grieve the Spirit, but to please the Holy Spirit. And from what I understand in your word, we please you by humility and a teachable spirit before you. I pray that even as we look into this important but difficult subject of dealing with bitterness in our lives, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would have free reign, that the scriptures would have preeminence, that we would allow you to speak through your word and deal with whatever issues we might have and needs that we might have in our own lives. 
And so, Lord, would you just teach us from your word tonight how we can not only overcome sinful habits, but sinful attitudes and unforgiveness that we might harbor in our hearts toward other people, other Christians, family members, or even the lost of the world around us. And Lord, help us to be Christ-like in overcoming bitterness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. The subject of bitterness is one that we may not talk about all that frequently. If, if I were to say that such and such a person struggles with sin, the first thing that might come to your mind is probably some outward sinful habit that you might think of. You might apply that and think, well, this person, maybe they're, they have some kind of an addiction. Uh, maybe they struggle with, um, with, with, the, with fornication, lustful thinking, uh, pornography. Uh, maybe this person struggles with addiction to a particular substance of drugs or alcohol which are sinful, and we're commanded to put those things away from us. We think of sin, maybe you think of anger in the sense of just not having control of your temper and flying off the handle. Or maybe you think of some of the things that are mentioned here, lying or stealing. And certainly all these things are sinful and wicked and need to be dealt with in someone's life if they are a stronghold. But I want to hone in tonight on this subject of bitterness, understanding that, biblically speaking, this particular sin, and yes, it is a sin to harbor bitterness in your heart. This particular sin, though not so much outward as it is inward, is every bit as destructive and controlling as any other kind of sin that you might struggle with. And it's something that we often don't like to deal with because bitterness is one of those things that usually it enters into our life not necessarily by any fault of our own because it, it comes to us because of hurts and, and, and harm that often people have inflicted upon us. And because there are past hurts there, because there are wounds, somehow we feel justified in holding on to bitterness in our lives. But folks, I want you to know that this is not the will of God for you. It's not the will of God, regardless of what the initial cause was, what, regardless of what the wound was that, that, uh, that, that started this in your life, it is not the will of God for you to live in a state of unforgiveness and bitterness. That is not in any way to minimize your past hurts. We live in a sinful, sinful world. And people are hurtful. And sometimes it's something that someone says. Sometimes it's some, something that someone does. I have counseled people and honestly struggled at times even feeling as though it's a shallow thing to tell someone that they need to, quote, get over it when some of the most 
horrific things have happened in their lives. I've counseled wives whose husbands have been unfaithful to them, not on one occasion or two occasions, but habitually unfaithful in an unrepentant way with the attitude, I'm just going to continue to be unfaithful to you. How can you get over that? I've dealt with young people who were abused as children, verbally, physically, and even in different ways. I've dealt with people who have been falsely accused to where it's cost them everything. I've dealt with people who have been stolen from and lied to. And we could go on and on and on about the list of reasons that people become hurt and upset and begin to harbor bitterness in their heart. And I understand that all of those things are legitimate reasons to be hurt, and I am not minimizing those. But regardless of what, what the cause is, if you sit here tonight harboring unforgiveness in your heart toward another individual, I want you to know it is not God's will for you. It is destroying you from within and it needs to go, and I also want you to know that there is victory. That victory is available to you. And so, as we read through this passage of Scripture, this, this statement this just seems to kind of be so, so simple and, and maybe even flippant. You know, just let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I mean, just as simple as that. Just let it be put away from you. But as I said at the outset, there's this pattern that we see, this what we would call a replacement uh, uh, principle that, that kind of unfolds here as, as we're being told how to live a victorious Christian life and we're, we're being commanded that we would put off the old man. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you're not just to put off the old man, you're to put on the new man. In other words, God doesn't just say, stop sinning. He actually tells us how we can overcome by putting on right things and good things. I'm thankful for that. There's, a, there's an old clip of Bob Newhart acting as a, some kind of a counselor, a psychiatrist. I'm sure some of you may have seen it where... Uh, a lady comes into his office and begins to tell him of her deepest fears and struggles. And he looks her in the face and he says, I've got two words for you to, to remember. If you'll do this thing, you'll never have another problem with this again. Here are the words. Stop it. And it's like a 10-minute clip of him just telling her, stop it. Just knock it off. And, I, man, the guy's my hero. Because I think sometimes I talk to people and I think it would be so simple if people would just knock it off. Just stop. you got a problem in your life. Just let go of it. Just forget it. But we understand that life isn't that simple, is it? It's not easy to just stop it, just to let go. And if I were to stand here tonight and say you've got bitterness in your life, you just need to let go of it and move on with your life and then send you out those doors, I would have to say I would not have done my job and you would be left feeling a little bit hopeless because you know that you need to let go of it, but you don't know how. I'm thankful that the Lord gives the answers. I'm thankful that he's given us clear direction. 
on how we can overcome bitterness. But tonight, before we even get into the how-to, I want to talk about what the Bible has to say about this subject and show you the seriousness of bitterness in our lives. First of all, I want to show you the destruction of bitterness. Look at verse number 30, if you will, of Ephesians 4. He says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Then he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You know what we learn from that by understanding those two verses in context together is that harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in your life grieves the Holy Spirit of God. It is a grief to God. If, if there is someone in your life that you refuse to forgive, someone or something that you are just unwilling to, to let go of and trust God with this thing. When God looks at that, it is a grief to Him. And let me say to you, if the Holy Spirit of God is grieved in your life, how do you expect Him to be working in you? Now, every one of us here needs God's Spirit at work in us. We need Him. I'm thankful for the promise that I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm thankful that it says, grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby ye are sealed, because it's a reminder, even when I grieve him, that doesn't cause me to lose my salvation. I'm sealed in him. However, I do not only need the Holy Spirit to keep me saved, I need him every day in my life. I need him guiding me and directing me and filling me and speaking to me and helping me. He's my comforter. He's my helper. He's that spirit of truth that guides me into all truth. I need him and so do you. We're commanded to walk in the spirit. We're commanded to be filled with the spirit. And yet if our life is grieving to him, how can we expect him to, to do those things for us? 1 Thessalonians tells us, it makes a simple statement, quench not the spirit. To quench is to to take a fire that's burning and to throw cold water on it until it's no longer burning. Did you know that you can actually do that to some degree in your life? Where the Holy Spirit of God is working in you and by your actions, by your sin, you can become of such grief to Him that it actually stifles His work in your life to some degree. What a, what a terrible thing uh, to, to allow that to happen, but it is the reality, and that's an effect of bitterness. If you look with me in Galatians 5, just a few pages back, Galatians 5 gives us a contrast between the flesh and the spirit, the, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 22. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. 
That is the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're here tonight and you say, you know what, I, I really want joy. Do you know that you can have joy in the Spirit? But boy, I, I just, the, with everything going on in the world and in my life, I just want some peace. Good news, it's available to you through the Spirit. However, grieving the Holy Spirit of God will be a hindrance to the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Let's connect the dots. Harboring bitterness in your heart robs you of joy and peace and love. It takes it away. It's stealing it from you. In other words, it can be replaced with what? Hopelessness and depression and fear, turmoil. Now, I'm not saying that anyone who's ever struggled with, with, with fear or with depression or any of those things, that somehow it's because of sin in their life. But I am telling you, if you have sin in your life, it's going to lead to those things. You cannot live that way as a Christian and be fulfilled and happy in the Lord. Let it be put away from you. Why? Because it is grieving to the Spirit of God. And you need the Spirit of God in your life. Let me just be real plain with you tonight. As a Christian, as a child of God, if you are saved, you have a choice. You can be controlled by God's Spirit. Or you can be controlled by your bitterness. Which will you choose? How destructive is that? Go back with me to the book of Proverbs and I want to show you something else. Not only is bitterness destructive to your spirit and your spiritual well-being, but bitterness can even be destructive to your physical well-being. Proverbs chapter 17, if you will. Proverbs 17. Look what it says here. Verse 22. A merry heart... Doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. A broken spirit drieth the bones. I've never known someone who is walking around bitter, angry, refusing to forgive, and can honestly say, I've got a merry heart. I'm joyful. Those things don't go together, do they? Now, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. If I, if I walk around in the joy of the Lord, and I'm not talking about a false joy where I just, you know, grip my teeth and put a smile on my face and pretend to be happy. I'm talking about if I'm walking in the joy of the Lord, you know what I have? A merry heart. And it's good for me, not only spiritually, but even physically. Does that mean that all your health problems go away? No, not at all. That's not what it means. And I'm not saying that if you've got health problems that it's because of your sin. That's obviously not the case, necessarily. But I am saying, the Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit, a discouraged heart, a downtrodden and depressed spirit, what is it? It drieth the bones. It's not good for you physically. By the way, this is even borne out uh, scientifically, secular people in the world will, will concur that someone who is constantly down in the dumps and negative about everything, it has a negative effect on their physical well-being. 
You know, one of the best ways that someone can, can uh, recover from, from illness and things like that, something that can actually boost your recovery time, is being cheered up. I think one of the, the tragedies of, of COVID and everything happening there was isolating people to such a degree. We had a bunch of sick people in the hospital, and nobody could go visit them. Nobody could spend time with them. We had folks in nursing homes and, and, and struggling with, with health problems, and nobody could go and cheer them up. Nobody could go and stir their hearts by just their presence and company and that kind of thing. I heard of a man that was diagnosed with an illness, and it, he wasn't sure, uh, the doctors weren't sure if he was ever going to recover from it, but he was reading in his Bible and, and read in Proverbs 17 that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to focus on things that make me happy, and maybe, maybe the Lord can use that in my life. You know what he did? He, he went to a, a video store, and he rented a bunch of old, uh, like, Three Stooges videos and things like that, things that would make him laugh and just cheer him up. And you know what? I don't know what it did for his physical body and if it actually helped him in any way to recover, but he, he testified that it made him feel better, you know? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. In other words, it's, it's a good thing for us, even physically, to be joyful, happy people. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So not only can bitterness be a hindrance to you spiritually in the things that God wants to do in your life and, and, and the ways that the Lord wants to help you and enable you, but even physically it can be a negative thing that works against you. But let me say, not only is, is bitterness destructive in those ways spiritually and physic physically to you, but one of the more tragic aspects of bitterness is that it negatively affects those around you. Bitterness will negatively affect those around you. Go with me to Hebrews 12, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 and verse number 14, the Bible says here, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You know what this is saying? Be careful... Not to allow even a root of bitterness in your life. Why? Because someday that root's going to spring up. And when it springs up, you can be sure of two things. It's going to trouble you, and it's going to defile others. One of the things I try to encourage people who are going through uh, trials, who are being mistreated who are dealing with difficulty, is you need to guard yourself against bitterness. You need to guard against it, looking diligently. I mean, pay attention and be careful that you do not allow yourself to become bitter because what's going to happen is you're going to get a little seed of bitterness planted in your life. And you're going to think, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. I'm just going to go on with my life. And somewhere on down the line, that bitterness is going to spring up. And you're going to find it affects you. It troubles you. Why? Spiritually, maybe even physically, it gets in the way. 
But how tragic when that root of bitterness that springs up begins to defile many around us. Bitterness in your life will affect your marriage. You say, well, I'm not bitter against my spouse. It doesn't matter. Bitterness in your life will affect your marriage. Bitterness in your life will affect your children. Bitterness in your life will affect your church. I mean, it, it's, it's contagious. It spreads like a disease. And, and the Bible tells us and warns us, it's, it, don't, don't even allow a root of it in your life. Don't even allow a little bit of it. it what does it say in, in Ephesians 4? We just read it. Let all bitterness be put away from you. Not most of it. Not deal with this, you know, I'm doing better than I used to. No, get rid of it in your life because it is a time bomb. It's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt those around you. It's destructive. So we see the destruction of bitterness, but I want to show you the defiance of bitterness. If you are allowing bitterness in your life, and by the way, I'm not accusing anyone here, but this is a reality that many of us deal with. If you are allowing bitterness in your life, it is actually a spirit of defiance against God. You say, what? I'm upset with this person. I'm angry with this person. Maybe I'm not even angry with them anymore. I've just chosen that I'm not going to forgive them. I'm just not going to ever uh, uh, allow a relationship to be built with them. I'm just kind of going to hold this against them for the rest of their life or my life. But I'm not bitter against God. Ultimately, let me say this, all bitterness is against God. How is that possible? Do you believe that God is sovereign in control of all things? If the answer to that question is yes, then you have to come to grips with the fact that everything that has ever happened in your life is because God allowed it. Therefore... If I choose bitterness, I might point the finger at someone else, but in my heart, I'm saying God shouldn't have ever allowed this to happen. And all bitterness is ultimately against God. That's a hard thing to admit, but it's a reality. Another reason, though, that bitterness is defiance against God is because bitterness minimizes the forgiveness that we have received. For me to refuse to forgive someone else is to minimize the forgiveness that I have experienced from God. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew 18. Jesus here spoke of the issue of forgiveness. He said in verse number 23... Of Matthew 18. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down. And worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out, 
and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told uh, unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest thou not also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. What is, what is Jesus saying? Here's a man who's been forgiven so much more than he could ever repay. And his, his Lord, his master had mercy on him. Simply out of his own compassion, he, he said, you know what, I forgive you. And he takes that forgiveness, and rather than saying, boy, I've been forgiven so much, I could never hold anything against anybody else, he goes and he nitpicks with a fellow servant who owes him something and refuses to forgive him, refuses to release him from what he owes him. You know what that was? It was a slap in the face to his master. To somehow act as though... I was more deserving of forgiveness than this person over here. Now let me say something to you. I don't know everything that God has forgiven you for. And honestly, I don't even know everything that God's forgiven me for. Thankfully, I don't remember it all. But what I do remember, I'll just tell you right now, there's not a single... Thing that you could ever do to me or my family that I have the right to say I'm worthy of this forgiveness but you're not worthy of mine friend I know you probably have been hurt we all have some to a much greater degree than others some of you are living in circumstances and situations and dealing with trials and difficulties that others maybe couldn't even imagine. But there is no greater forgiveness than what Christ has already freely offered you. Don't trample underfoot the grace of God. And believe that someone else deserves to pay for what they've done while you get off scot-free because of what Christ did for you. And that really brings us to the deliverance that we can have in forgiveness. So let's go back to Ephesians 4 if you would. How do we let go of bitterness? How can we move on? From our bitterness. Well, first of all, I want, I want to say to you that 
you need to remind yourself of the gospel. You need to preach the gospel to yourself. You know the gospel really isn't just for our salvation. It is that. But the gospel is, is for our daily Christian living. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I declare unto, the, unto you the gospel which I also have received. He said, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. It's not just the gospel that saves me, it's the gospel wherein I stand. That's how I stand, it's in the gospel. Verse 32, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How can I do that? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Even as God. God, how could I ever forgive this person? God says, just like I forgave you. Now, how did God forgive us? Think about that for a moment. You might say, well, he forgave us totally and completely, and that would be true. He forgave us and even restored us to fellowship, and that would be true. But I want you to think about the means by which God forgave you. God took your offense, your offenses, by the way, all sin is sin against God, you sinned against him. He took your offense against him. And did you know he didn't just say, it's no big deal. I'm just going to let it go. He didn't do that, did he? He took it upon himself. He actually bore your sins and my sins in himself. 2 Corinthians 5 God the Father made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took the offense on his own shoulders and paid the price. Do you know what that means? Forgiveness does not come without sacrifice. Your forgiveness was not purchased without sacrifice. God didn't just get over it. God did what was necessary to forgive it. You say, God, how could I ever forgive so-and-so? He says, even as I did, for Christ's sake. How can you forgive for Christ's sake? Because you've been forgiven. Because such a price has been paid. And by the way, the sin that you were forgiven of was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the sin that someone else committed against you was paid for by the blood of Christ. And God has chosen to release you from your debt. And by His mercy... You must choose to release others from their debt. That doesn't mean that they're deserving. Well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. No, they probably don't. Neither did you. Go with me to Hebrews 10, if you would. Hebrews 10, verse 16. says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. 
I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, listen to this, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. That's quite a promise, isn't it? Now you might say, well, I understand God said he won't remember this anymore, but I just can't seem to forget it. Let, let me just clarify something to you. I think we've maybe minimized in some way, unintentionally, what God is saying here by getting this idea in our minds that when God says their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more, that that means that God literally forgets that it ever happened. And I know that some people teach that, and I'm not trying to criticize anyone, but I want you to think about this with me. God is omniscient and all-knowing. The moment of your salvation, do you think that God forgot that you were a sinner? I don't think so, because God continually reminds us in his word that we've been forgiven. In other words, the knowledge, God still has the knowledge that we sinned. It's not that God somehow erases from his memory. I know everything, oh yeah, except... That, that's not the concept. The, the concept of he will remember our sins no more literally means that he will not call them to mind or hold them to our account anymore. They are forgotten by God. God said it's done. I understand, folks, that we live with the awareness that people have wronged us. Oh, just forgive and forget. Well, you'll never lose the awareness of what's been done to you. You'll never forget. True hurts that cause bitterness, they don't just go away. Those memories don't really fade. The awareness is still there, but the forgetfulness is a choice that says, I'm not going to remember that anymore. I'm not going to call that to mind. I'm not going to meditate on those things. I'm not going to dwell on those things. I'm not going to live with the consciousness, with the with, uh, considering what's been done. So much of victory over sin in our lives has to do with our thought life. The things that we allow ourselves to think on. The things that we allow ourselves to dwell upon. You say, well, I just can't seem to forget this. And I just can't seem to let go of this. Let me just say this. Replace it. Replace the memory of what happened to you with the memory of what God has done for you. Replace it with the remembrance of the great things that, 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 that God has forgiven you for. And if somehow you still can't let go of the, the, the justice aspect of this, that, that this just isn't right and it's just not fair, I want to remind you that God is the just and righteous judge and will set everything straight one day. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us is going to give account for our lives. And those people who have hurt you and those people who have wronged you will answer to God for that. And you can trust him to take care of it. You see, really, ultimately, letting go of, of bitterness is not saying that, that these things are never going to be dealt with. It's just placing it in God's hands and saying, God, I'm going to let you deal with this. 
I'm going to trust that your judgment is better than mine. <laughs> and I'm going to let you take care of this issue. And I'm just going to trust your ways. And I'm going to remind myself of what you have done for me. And if by chance you find some delight and some joy in the knowledge that those who have hurt you and those who have wronged you will answer to God for that, let me just remind you that you too will answer to God for your life and for the things that you have done. And for every one of us, that ought to be a sobering thought. Because there's not one of us who is perfect, not one of us who is sinless, not one of us who's never wronged another, Someday we're going to answer to God for those things. But friend, if you really want victory, let me just remind you, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. By the way, he gives us a very clear prescription here. He tells us that we are to be kind, to actually, in the face of unkindness, we are to show kindness. He doesn't just say, don't retaliate, don't get angry, don't get bitter. He says, be kind, show kindness. One of the hardest things to do, I think, is to put to practice what Jesus said in Matthew 5, that we're to love our enemies, bless them that curse us, do good to them, which despitefully use us and per persecute us, that we are to pray for them, I've had some people that have hurt me, and I didn't find it hard to pray for them, but I found it hard to pray for good things for them. <laughs> it's easy enough for me. I'm kind of tend to be somewhat of an easygoing guy and kind of let things go. It's not that hard for me to say, well, this person wronged me, they were unkind to me, but ah well, I'll let God deal with that. It's not that hard to do that. You know what is hard? To then get on my knees before God and sincerely from my heart say, Lord, would you work in this person's life? Would you bless them? Would you help them? It'd be easy for me to say, Lord, I pray that your judgment would be swift and harsh and destructive. But to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to bless this person. Bless and what? Curse not. Romans 12. What's the theme for the year? Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's Romans 12. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. And that's hard to do. But God's commanded us to do it. If you're struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness, you know what God said? Be kind. Bless. Do good. And pray for them. Remind yourself of how much you've been forgiven. Folks, this is not a message designed to say, you know what, we just need to be good to people and kind to people. This is a message to say, if you have Bitterness in your heart, it's harming you, and it's harming others, and you need to deal with it.
because it, it, it doesn't just go away. God said, put it away from you. Let, let it be put away from you, all of it. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking with all malice. Let it be put away from you. You need to get the victory. Why? So as not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God.